But if you don't mind, I'd like to walk down the street of your neighborhood. You may have been trying to remain faithful to the will of God, but yet opposition for you can come in the form of hardships and trials to even the whispers of doubt. While you've been consistently in the word and in prayer, opposition might come in the form of struggles and temptations. Even while you've been a faithful husband and a faithful wife, opposition might come in the form of arguing and disagreeing with your spouse. Even while you've been honest and diligent in your workplaces, opposition might come in the form of unfair treatments. Opposition might come when you've got people making fun of you and laughing at you, distancing themselves away from you for bearing the name of Jesus Christ. You see, in those instances, you might feel as if you won't be able to resist anything that might come your way. But just because you don't feel that you're able to stand doesn't mean that it will overcome you. Let me say that again. But just because you don't feel like you are able to stand against what comes against you, it doesn't mean that it will overcome you. This word kept here, when you read it in the original language, creates this illustration for us that God is keeping watch over you and for me. It's like a guard in the watchtower overlooking into the night. Our God is guarding and watching over us. It is a reminder that wherever your foot falls, God has his eyes on you. John chapter 10 says, it talks about how Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus, being likened to a shepherd, reveals to us his care and his desire for us. He says, I know my own and my own knows me. He wants to protect us. He wants to comfort us. He wants to provide for us. He wants to take care of us. Brooke family, can I ask you this question this morning? Do you know the good shepherd? Do you know that he is for you? Do you know his voice when he calls out to you? As a matter of fact, can you hear his voice when he is speaking to you? You see, we get so caught up in the mess of our opposition that our eyes refuse to let our ears hear the things that we need to hear for ourselves. We allow the things that surround us to distract us and to turn us away from the very truths that ground us and center us. We hear lies that God is not in fact for us, but he is against us. We hear that God does not draw near and he has abandoned you. We hear and we see the mess around us. And we see the mess getting messier and messier. You see, looking at your circumstances now, it seems that there's no getting out. But it's in moments like these that we need to become familiar with the voice of our good shepherd and preach to ourselves the truth more than we need to be listening to ourselves. This verse tells us that God is able to keep you from stumbling. Can I offer this word? Just when you think you've lost a hold of your footing, God still has a hold of you. The psalmist writes in Psalm 73, But as for me, but as for me, my foot almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. His eyes led him to be deceived into thinking about his reality, that he was insecure on the basis of what he saw around him. You might be having the same thoughts that the psalm writer is thinking through. But then he says this, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me like the word that the CSB uses, a hopeless task. 
until, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. The psalmist here is writing about the people who have conspired against his life, but there is hope that can be found for you in this very passage. It might seem like a wearisome and hopeless task to make sense of all that you are going through, but the word tells us and makes sense for us that God keeps us sure-footed. The story goes of a young man who was preparing to go for college. And as he was packing his belonging, his mother comes into the room. He says, son, before you leave, I want to give you this Bible. Be sure when you take this Bible to college that you read through the word, that you study it and that you embrace everything that it says. So the boy took it and he puts it in his bag. A couple years later, he comes back. A familiar silhouette that once left for college is coming back, this time more burdened and sad. Shoulders hung low, head hanging from his neck. And his mother asked, son, how was, how was college? He said, mom, you know, I enjoyed my time at college, but it was difficult. Oftentimes I ran out of money. I was trying to scrape for things, but it, it was difficult for me to do. And the mother said, son, what did you do with that Bible I gave you? He said, I kept it. I kept it. On my nightstand, I looked at it, I just kept it, collected dust. As the, mother, the mother said, son, give me that Bible. Give me that Bible. I said, son, didn't I tell you, what did I tell you to do? She said, read, read the word. Know the word. I said, did you do that? He said, no. I said, son, didn't you know that whenever you were in need, Philippians 4.19 said, my God will supply every need of yours. And she pulled out a check for $100. When she said, you were, whenever you feel alone and, and, and hopeless and afraid, it said in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And she pulled out a check for $500. And it says that if you don't know what you're going to do, it says in Psalm 37, verse 4, He will give you the desires of your heart. And she pulled out a check for $500. You see, sometimes when we need to be looking in the Word, we look at other places, and we need to find ourselves on our knees, reading God's Word, and knowing what He is telling us. God keeps us stable. God keeps us grounded. God keeps us rooted. While the storm may be raging around you, God gives you the peace within you to be still and to trust in Him. When life is throwing curveballs at you and swinging punches at you left and right, it's God who provides a hedge of protection around you so that you are safe. When the ground begins to shake and feel like it's about to give out, it's God who keeps you from stumbling. It's the sure-footedness in Him. God is able to keep you from stumbling. We have a secure hope in that. Not only is He able to keep you from stumbling, but the rest of the verse says he is able to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. And that's good news. That's good news, family. Here Jude continues this thought of standing. The word present illustrates a sort of preservation. It is by God that you are preserved and it is by God that you are able to stand today. God makes you stand in his presence of his glory blameless. See, the Bible talks about how you and I are so ridden of sin. Sin, the active disobedience against the way in which God had created us to live. 
The Bible teaches us that the tension, as we read earlier, that lies within us of wanting to do what is right and wrong is in part because of the sin that dwells within us. The problem is also this, that because God is a perfect, holy, and sinless God, we are unable to draw near and get close to Him. We can't approach Him because we don't meet the standard that He has set for us, a holy standard, not a moral standard of doing good and doing what is right, but a standard of holiness. See, our sin keeps us separated from our God. And in order for us to be able to draw near, what was required back then was a sacrifice that would atone for those sins. So all the sins that you committed this week, all the sins that you committed yesterday, all the, all the sins that you committed an hour before our service started, needed to be covered by the blood of a sacrifice. The blood of the animal was a sacrifice that would cover the sins that we ourselves might be presented as blameless before God. See, what seemed like a functional system was actually broken and incomplete. Because how many times can you take in something broken and get it fixed, only to find out that you need to go back and get it fixed for another broken part? See, a couple weeks ago, my laptop hadn't been functioning the way it should be. It, should be. Uh, it wasn't connecting to the hard drive with all its memory and all the programming. And so every time I tried to turn it on, it would just give me a, a blank screen with like a, a blinking folder. So I need to go take it in. I took it to our, our campus at Trinity International University, our uh, IT department. So I had them look at the computer, and they said, oh, the, cab- the, the connector cable here is, is bad, so you need to buy the new part. Uh, we can come fix it in for you as long as you buy it. And then uh, I said, okay, when's the earliest that uh, I can get my computer fixed? They said, Monday. I said, no, I can't wait for that. It's too long. I have papers to write. I got other things to do. I can't do that. So I took it into the Apple store. Mind you, at this point, my... my uh, my Apple insurance where it's all expired. So everything that I'm paying is coming out of my own pockets, out of the resources that I don't have. And so <laughs> I, put in, I put in a schedule. I, I went in and got my laptop looked at. The lady came in. She helped me. She took a look at my computer. She plugged some wires in. She pressed some buttons. She said, okay, I'll be right back. She took the laptop. She took it to the back. Sitting there playing on my phone for about, what, 15, 20 minutes. She came back, and she said, okay, we're all good. Um, you know, we replaced the part. Uh, your computer should be working back to normal. So I'm preparing to get my wallet out. She's explaining what was going on. And so I said, okay, how much is this going to cost? Oh, she said, oh, don't worry about it. We got it covered for you. I said, what? What do you mean? So what would have been $96, she was saying that because Apple had messed up on the first initial replacement, they took the responsibility, and so they covered what needed to be covered, and so they replaced the part that needed to be replaced. And so I'm telling you this morning, I'm not here talking about my computer, but I'm here talking about <laughs> our Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, a functional system that was broken. Jesus Christ became that perfect sacrifice for us when he came down from heaven to earth. God is the supply of his own demand. He demanded a perfect sacrifice to deal with the son, with sin once and for all. And he's given us that through his son, Jesus Christ, by his perfect blood. But we don't completely understand the scope of how much this covers. Pastor Ralph Douglas West paints this vivid picture of the district court of heaven. You and I are in there standing on trial before the jury, before the, 
the, the, the defendant, before the judge, before the accuser. And the thing about this court is everyone knows that you're guilty. Everyone knows that you're guilty. The jury knows that you're guilty. The accuser knows that you're, you're guilty. The judge knows that you're guilty. But even the defender knows that you're guilty. So it seems like a lose-lose type of situation, doesn't it? But when the judge comes in, everyone rises. And it's not just a rise in recognition that he is a sovereign one. But they rise and they fall. And they worship. And you begin to hear, holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. This is what you'll hear in the heavenly courtroom. And as the judge takes his seat, he begins to read through the papers. And he begins to read and look through and analyze the testimonies. And he sees the evidence. And all the odds are stacked against you. You're guilty. But then just before he's about to make this pronouncement, the defendant goes up to the bench. And he has this little chat with, with the judge. Turns right back around. Takes his seat. Puts his hand on your shoulder. And as the jury prepares and as the judge prepares, they stand to give this pronouncement. And they say, we declare you not guilty. Not guilty. And when you are declared not guilty, you've been acquitted. You've been exonerated. Everything in your past, present, and future has been covered because of the the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus Christ. That no one can stand up against you. In fact, Scripture tells us that the accuser, time after time, is standing before God and saying, look at the sin that this person's committing. Look at what they're doing. But Jesus said, no, 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 I've got it covered because of the blood that I spilled for him. Not only are we presented blameless before the presence of his glory, our sins wiped away clean, but he does this with great joy. The Father delights in you. I think some of us need to hear that this morning, that God looks at you and says that you are beautiful. He says that you are competent. He says that you are strong. You are honorable. You are noble. You might have messed up in your past. You might have messed up today. You're thinking about tomorrow and saying, you know, I might mess up tomorrow too. But it's all covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, past, present, and future. So we have this secure hope that not only keeps us from stumbling and presents us blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, But thirdly, our hope is secure because He is the only God, our Savior. You see, it was needed to be said that He is the only God, especially in the context that Jude was writing in of a pluralistic and polytheistic society where they're they're worshiping all kinds of different gods and, and philosophies. doesn't sound too far off removed of what we're worshiping today. There are competing voices and religions that are influencing everything in our lives. But the God that we serve is different among those gods. You see, before this series, we've been working through a series, the AKA series, the I Am series, through the various names of God, that through different events in the past have revealed who God is in Scripture. Through these names, God communicates attributes of who He is, 
And these attributes of God demonstrate the power and the magnificence of our God. You see, we learn that God is a provider in our very time of need. We learn that God is our banner who goes out and fights the battle before us. We learn that God, who is the Lord of hosts, is the God who is with us. We learn that the Lord, who is our righteousness, cares about justice and mercy that is shown to us and that in which we show to others. God is our healer. God is a seeing God. God is an everlasting God. And that God who was and is and is to come was existent before all of time. He holds all things in his hands. He makes all things work together. It was said of Billy Graham, who was among some scholars, physicists, and they were talking about space. They were talking about atomic theory, things that would go over his head and probably would have gone over my head as well. So in the middle of the discussion, they're talking about all the, la- the latest theories and all the latest, the latest ideas, all the latest research. And Billy Graham, like most people, most sensible people, what they would do in situations where you don't know how to chime in would do, sat there quietly and listened. And as they were sharing one by one, they came to this one question. We know how the universe works and operates. We don't know how everything holds together. It was at that moment that Billy Graham got really excited. He couldn't contain himself and he said, I know exactly how the universe holds together. It's by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ holds the world in his hands and he holds all things together. He is a unique God in that he holds all things together. He works all things. But it says that he is not, our own, he's not only God, but he is our Savior. He is our Savior We serve a unique God in that our God is a saving God. If you study all these other religions, it's an attempt to become a God and to further distance yourself away from these people. But what I love about our God is that our God has come down to us to save us. It was on the night of World War II when the rockets, red glare, and the bombs bursting in air on D-Day as these shells were flying all over the place. A family was beginning to evacuate their house and head down into the bunker. The father first opens the lid to the floor and he begins to climb down. The mother holding on to her children. And the father calls out, Son, I'm going to need you to jump into this, this, this dark hole, this, this dark pit where he could not see the bottom. And the son said, Dad, I'm scared. I can't see you. I don't know where you are. But he says, Son, you can hear my voice. You know I'm going to be here to catch you. And that's the same invitation that God has for us. God has gone down before us, and he calls out to us. He says, Come down here. Philippians 2 says it this way. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be, to be grasped, but emptied himself in his fullness, in his God-likeness, emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. That God, through Jesus Christ, came down from heaven's heights, and he came into your brokenness. He came into your mess. He came into what could not be fixed. 
And it said, being found, he said, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. If that ain't love, I don't know what love is. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is our Savior in that He's come down when He didn't have to. He took upon not just skin and bone, but He felt what you're feeling. He felt your hurt. He felt your pain. He felt your disappointment. He felt your anxiety. He felt your depression. He felt your abandonment. Jesus knows He came down To save us not only from this sin, but to save us for something greater. That's why all praise belongs to Him through Jesus Christ our Lord. Be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Jesus Christ is worthy of all of our praise. Because He secured for us once and for all. This hope that we can cling on to. This hope that we can look forward to that is waiting for us. This hope that calls us to a new identity. This hope that calls us to a new life. Saying it doesn't have to be this way. There's something better waiting for you. I'd like to close and invite the praise team up for our final song. If I can offer this one invitation, it's to cling on to that hope. I know sometimes we get preached at a lot about this hope, and sometimes our reality keeps us from really seeing and embracing what this hope has to offer. But as the praise team comes up and we close with this, I want to give two, two invitations and invite our prayer team up as well. Um, we'll have people here to pray with you, pray for you, but the first invitation is this, if, if you came into these doors and you don't know what this hope is that we're talking about, or you, don't, you f- don't know what it's like to have hope, or you felt like you've been in a place where it's just been hopeless, you feel like there's no sense of purpose and you, know, you, you just want something that'll last, you've been turning left and right to all these different things, but none of it's left you satisfied. None of it's been able to give you the security that you're really looking for. I want to invite you into this, to know who Jesus Christ is. He doesn't just blot out all the mistakes that you've done in your past so that you can live clean, uh, you know, the clean slate. But it's an opportunity for you to get to know that He offers something better for you, offer something greater for you. So if you don't know Jesus Christ, and you would like to get to know him, you can come up and, and get prayer. But the second one is, for those who have been in these situations where, you know what, now I've been faithful, I've been true to your word, God, I've been serving faithfully, 
But yet, it seems like you're against me. It seems like all the things in my life, all the walls are collapsing, and I just feel hopeless. So if you just want someone to pray with you, pray for you, speak over this hope for you, and come up and receive this prayer. But let me, let me pray for us to close our time together. Father, we're, we're, we're a mess. We're broken people. God, I can admit at times, I can act like I have everything together. But really, God, I'm, I'm just a mess and I'm broken. But God, your word reminds me, Lord Father, that you are the one who sustains me. God, even in the midst of feeling broken, even in the midst of feeling like my life is in shambles, I have something I can hope onto that holds all these things together. It might be falling out of my hands, but God is falling right into your hands. So I pray, Lord Father, for those hearts in this, in this place who don't know you, who don't know you personally as their Lord and Savior, God, would you call out to them? Would you call out to them? God, that they may come to know of this great hope that we have. And for those of us, God, who have been walking and it feels like the clouds have always just been gray, it feels like the waves and the mountain is just higher than it really is, the valley is lower, I pray, God, would you give us the comfort that we need? Remind us, Lord Father, God, that you don't abandon us, but God, that you walk with us. God, it says in your word, you lead us down paths of righteousness for your name's sake. That even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God, make that word be true to us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, all stand. That's good. Let's sing this last song. Great I am. I want to be close to you, Lord. I want to be close, close to your side. So heaven is real, death is a lie. I want to hear voices.
want to be near. I want to be near, near to your heart, love in the world, hate in the dark. I want to see dry bones living again, it as one. No power, there is no power in hell or any who can stand before the power and the presence of the great I am, great I am, great I
lift your voices. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy, holy God Almighty, the great I am. Who is worthy? None beside thee. God. God's got a hold of you, even when you lost your hold of him. That's a secure hope. Thank you, brother, for bringing God's word for us. Family, we serve a mighty God, and I pray you would put your hope and trust in him as we go out this week ahead of us. Uh, Just a few reminders about our announcements, the child dedications. Talk to myself, Pastor Jeremy, one of us. Um, Get connected in a real community so you can be a sharp knife, not a dull one, fam. And as we dismiss, there are going to be refreshments downstairs. Um, that's an opportunity for us to connect and get to go a little bit deeper than we can here in the sanctuary. All right, guys? I want you to receive this blessing from God. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, only God, only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be all glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And do you agree to this? Amen. You are dismissed, church family. See you downstairs.